Well, hey there, Thrive Church. So good to have you with us again today. Hey, if you're watching for the first time, a special welcome to you. To you. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Hey, we're continuing in our series called Restoring Rhythms. We kicked this off a couple of weeks ago, and we've been talking about how over the course of this last year, so many of our regular rhythms in life have been interrupted. Our rhythms of going to work, uh, going to school, the rhythm of going to church every week as, as we usually would, uh, our time with family and friends, and, and even those rhythms have been interrupted. We've not been able to spend time with family uh, as we've done in the past in, in those holiday seasons and special occasions, especially we don't, we don't get to have those times. We, we don't have those regular rhythms of even just going out to eat or going to watch a movie. And so many of those places have been disrupted and I believe that God's calling us into a, a time of really restoring some of those rhythms to our lives. Because along with some of those activity rhythms, it's, I, I believe so many and so many I've talked to and even in my own life, some of the, the spiritual rhythms, the, the times of spending time with God have also fallen by the wayside or, or at least been really disrupted over the course of this year. And I believe God's calling us to reestablish some healthy rhythms in our lives. And so I want to encourage you, if you've missed the last couple of weeks, go, go back and listen to those messages or you can watch them online at uh, thriveglendora.org uh, or, or on our YouTube channel. You can watch those messages. Last week, I talked about the fact that God dances that in the Trinity we see this incredible dynamic between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as they move together and interact with each other. And the beautiful thing about that is, is that God invites us into that dance with Him, that we can be a part of, of that, that relationship and that connection and that time uh, to, to really sense the heart of God. And I want to continue with that thought today uh, as we look at the ry rhythms of worship, rest, relationship, and activity. Those are the, the four key ones that we're focusing on in this series. So I'll say those again. Rhythms of worship, rest, relationship, and activity. And we're still in the, these first messages focusing on our rhythm of worship, what it means to connect with God. I'm not just talking about singing when I say worship, but it's any any activity, anything that we do that really causes us to spend time with God, to, to sense His heart, to, to be present with Him. And I want to talk today about what it means to slow down to be with Jesus. Slowing down to be with Jesus. See, as a part of these rhythms, we have daily rhythms, we have uh, weekly rhythms, we have annual rhythms, we have rhythms that that we would say, well, these, these things are part of our lives and need to be a part of our lives on a daily basis. And today's focus is actually one of those daily rhythms, and, uh, and that is slowing down to be with Jesus, or more specifically, the need for, that our lives have for silence. In fact, I will say it this way, our souls need silence. Your soul needs place for silence, for quiet. You remember when you were little, and you, uh, in the afternoon, maybe your mom would uh, make you take a nap or at least have quiet time. I know in our home, when our kids were little and growing up, my wife would make sure that every afternoon there was quiet time and the kids would go lay down on their bed 
and maybe they, they got to choose one book that they could read, or they just had to, to lay and be still for a, for a minute. Now, I'm realizing that this might have actually just been a chance for mom to take a break and catch her breath, but usually what that meant for the kids was that they got a little nap or they got some rest and you know, there was no music on, there were no devices. It was just the kids slowing down for a minute. And what's so amazing is, and I, I, I don't know what it was like in your home or, or like it, what it was like for you growing up, but usually there was some resistance to that. Like, I don't want to take a nap. I don't want to lie down. I don't want to just be quiet. It's, you know, especially a two-year-old and three-year-old. I want to be active. I want to be moving. Now, I don't know about you, but in hindsight, Man, a, a mid-afternoon nap sounds so good. You, know, you you grow up, you become an adult, and all of a sudden napping is something that's kind of frowned upon, and you miss those moments like, oh, I wish I could just take a nap this afternoon. It sounds so good. But here's the thing. Our souls crave quiet. Our souls need a place of silence. And there's something to be said about when you're two and three and four years old about that space that's carved out in the middle of the day to rest. I think we all need that. In fact, I know we all need that. See, there's two knowings that are really a key part of who we are as as people created in the image of God. Two knowings that we need to know God, but we also need to know ourselves. Knowing God and knowing ourselves. Psalmist writes this in Psalm 46, verse 10. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. The psalmist here is writing as a part of a a larger psalm. And Psalm 46, I encourage you to read it. The whole psalm really deals with a time of turmoil and disruption and, and there's, there's war and, and, and things are really unsettled uh, in, in the verses preceding what we read here in verse 10. But he gets to this point in, in the whole passage where he says this, be still and know that I am God. And here speaking, it's the voice of God that would even cry out and speak to us. It says, be still and know that I'm God. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of an un, uh, a, a world that is con- constantly changing, uh, unending change, it's always in the, in the state of flux. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And there might be even opposition and pain that's introduced into this. God says, be still. Be still and know that I am God. And he goes on to say, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And it doesn't matter what's happening in the world around us, what's happening in our lives, that God will still be proclaimed, that he is over all, that he, he, is, he is in control, that he is omniscient, he is omnipotent, he is, he is everywhere, and he is fully in control. And what we have to do is to stop in order to remember that. We have to stop in order to be reminded that God is in control, to be still and know that I am God. We can lose sight so easily, can lose sight so easily of who God is, of his place in our lives, of lives, in, of his love for us, of his care for each 
one of us. I've shared this passage the last couple of weeks. I'm sharing it again because the example of the life of Jesus is, of course, the place that we want to set our eyes. We want to look to his example. It says this in Luke 5, 15, 16, yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. The word lonely here can also be translated quiet, that Jesus, in the midst of a busy schedule, in the midst, uh, in the midst of lots of ministry, stopped regularly. There was a rhythm to go to lonely or quiet places to be with the Father. See, this expresses this desire to know God. And because Jesus knew himself, he knew that he needed to be in the presence of God and that those two are completely tied together. That when we, we're aware of who God is, we become more aware of who we are. And when we're aware of who we are, we know our greater need for the Lord. And so we need to be with the Lord. We need those quiet places. But can I tell you, sometimes we get in the way of ourselves, that we can get in the way of ourselves. We can stop ourselves from even pressing in to those places where we're with the Lord. We, we can just get so busy. We can become so unaware of, of what's happening in our lives that we lose sight of that rhythm that needs to be there to be connected to the Father. I use this picture. I don't know if you've ever been on a speedboat or any kind of boat out on a lake or out on the ocean, but here's what happens is you, you start going in a boat, especially if it's a speedboat, and you get a little bit of, you know, a, a plane going, the boat gets up on the water, and it's cruising around, and you're having fun, but when you go to stop, what happens is, is the wake that is formed behind, when, when the boat slows down, eventually the boat will come to a place of rest, and there'll be this wake that comes up from behind and pushes on the boat. And you, you, I mean, if you've been in a boat, you've experienced it. And so the boat will come to settle. And then all of a sudden, as that wake comes, it kind of lurches forward, pushes the boat forward. And I think sometimes what happens for us is that this rhythm of stopping is so hard because when we stop, when we start to rest, what ends up happening is the wave catches up with us and so there can be this temptation to just keep going because I've just got to stay ahead. I've just got to stay ahead. I've just got to stay ahead. And, and if we buy into that, if that becomes the pattern of our lives, then we can miss out on some of the most intimate times with the Lord. And that we need those times with the Father. We need those times with Jesus. I don't know if you've noticed this, but our culture and the world that we live in, we tend to either be busy or bored. People are either busy or bored, and they're really two extremes, aren't they? That the busy person is just always on the go, that there's, there's, there's always something else that needs to be done. And it's not just physically busy, but even a busy mind, that there's this noise that comes in from our own thinking and just always, always on the go, never slowing down. The busy person is, is always thinking about everything that they have to be, that, that they have to do, everything that still needs to be done, the tasks, the lists, the deadlines. And so they're going from one thing to another, or maybe in the midst of a few minutes, we'll 
jump from one thing to another, to another, to another, and then not actually finish the first thing that they started and go back. And I know in, in my life, there's days where I feel like that. I'm jumping, I'm busy from here to there to, to, to the other place. And, and busy just isn't fun. In fact, busy doesn't always mean productive. But we become busy. We, we fill our lives with activity and things that needs to be done. And I think so often busy is born out of the expectations that the culture and the world or even people would have for us, that, that we've got, got, to, got to be going. We've got to be a productive member of society. And so we, we become busy. But the reality is so often that busy can be distracted, that when we're busy, we're distracted. In fact, there's a great story in the book of Luke chapter 10, verses 38. It says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, why don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord, re- the Lord replied or answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed and indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. A great story. We've shared before here at Thrive about these two sisters who both loved Jesus. Mary and Martha both loved Jesus. And he was a, a regular guest in their home. And in this moment, Martha is busy. She is going around the house. She wants to make sure everything is just right for her guests. And she is taking care of what needs to be taken care of. But in the midst of this, there's this statement, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work? It's interesting is that a few weeks ago, we talked about, about Jesus in the boat with the disciples where Jesus is sleeping and there's a storm that comes up and their statement to Jesus was, don't you care? Don't you care? And, and so you see the, the, the posture of a heart that is anxious and busy is this, Lord, don't you care? Yet we have the contrasting picture of Mary who's sitting at the feet of Jesus, that the Lord has come into her home and her decision was, I'm not going to go run around and do all of the activity. I'm going to choose to sit and be with Jesus. And so when Jesus. And so when Martha confronts Jesus and asks him to intervene, what Jesus says is, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. In fact, the Bible says that she was distracted. She was distracted in her busyness. But Jesus said, Mary's chosen the one thing. And it's not going to be taken away from her. And what was that one thing? It was to sit quietly at the feet of Jesus, to be in his presence. Church, we need to be in the presence of Jesus daily. That we need to quiet our lives, to sit in silence, to sit in stillness, to sit in a place where we would listen to him, to just be with him, not to get anything from God, but just to be with him. See, we've got to move away from being busy, that we've got to settle our hearts. We've got to make decisions that lead to rhythms in our lives that allow us to sit and to be with Jesus. 
But then on the other side, we have the, the busy person, and then we have the person that would say that they're bored. Again, two extremes in our culture. We're either busy or bored. And the bored person, what they do is try to fill the void with activity. When, they're not, when there's nothing to do, and they're sitting around going, I'm, I'm bored, I've got nothing to, to fill my time. So, so they fill it with entertainment. We fill our lives with social media. Those moments where we're like, well, there's nothing else to do, so I'll flip on the TV or get out my phone. And we fill those voids. And, and what we end up doing so often is that we're presented with images that we then compare ourselves to. We look at the things on the screens, whether it's social media or Facebook or whatever, and we look at what other people are doing, how other people are acting, the activity in their lives, the work that they're doing, and we compare ourselves. We, we, we fall into the trap of comparison, and our minds start racing, and we start thinking, well, I need to be more like that, and I need to work harder, or I'm not working hard enough, and we feel guilt and shame. And so the, the, the place of boredom is not a healthy place to be either. Boredom can lead to wrong kinds of thinking. In fact, neither bored nor busy have time for silence. Neither boredom nor busyness have room or time for silence. There's no room for silence in the, in the mind of a busy person, in the heart of a busy person, and there's really no room for silence in the heart of someone who, who just always feels bored and needs to be entertained. See, silence is hard. Silence is hard. I don't know if you've tried it lately, if you've tried to sit for a minute or two minutes or five minutes or 20 minutes in just silence, not, not reading, not listening to anything, but to just sit in silence. The thing is that for many of us, and I would say for probably for most of us, the habit of silence, the discipline, the spiritual dis discipline of silence is one that has not really been developed. It's not been built up. And it's something that needs to be developed in our lives in the midst of a busy and noisy, crazy world that we would have this rhythm where we would stop even just for a few minutes and listen to be with Jesus, to slow down, to be in his presence, to slow down. But remember what I was saying about that boat. What happens so often for us is that when we do stop, man, that wake hits, that, that, that pressure comes from behind. I don't know if you've tried to sit in silence, but, but here's usually what happens for me is about 30 seconds in, the, the, the mind just starts going. The ideas start popping in. And, I, and my brain will just get flooded with the most random things. Things that were just, I wasn't thinking of before. And now all of a sudden in the midst of silence, they just start popping in. And you start thinking about the grocery list and the repair that has to be done and, and the bill that has to be paid or that project that needs attention and the yard, you know, the yard work that needs needs to, you know, to, to get finished. And, and then maybe you start feeling tired and sleepy and you're like, OK, I'm only at the one minute mark or the two minute mark and just being in silence. But now I'm tired and I should have grabbed a cup of coffee and. Um, shoot, I need to make sure that next time I, I have this time of silence and I have my coffee ready to go. And, and then maybe even your mind goes to a place that says, well, 
is this even working? Is God in the midst of this? Is, is God even being honored? Should I be doing this? Or I'm doing it wrong. And then even thoughts of guilt and shame and condemnation would come in and say, oh, why am I even trying? Because I'm not doing this right. I don't know about your mind. That's sometimes how my mind works. But here's the thing, silence, the discipline of silence takes time to develop. It needs to be a regular rhythm. See, in 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13, we find Elijah, the prophet Elijah, and he's struggling. And there's this moment that he has with the Lord that I think is so profound and it's so powerful. See, Elijah has gone from a high point to a really low point. He had been in this place where he had confronted the prophets of Baal. He had called down fire from heaven. And it was a powerful moment in his ministry. It would have been like the pinnacle. It would have been literally the high point. He's on Mount Carmel of his ministry. And, and, he, and he puts all of these false prophets to death. And, and there's just this fame. But then the, the queen, Jezebel, she threatens his life. And she says, by this time tomorrow, you will be the same way. And And so he goes from this high point to this low where he is depressed. He's out in the desert by himself. He's he's just he's almost uh, suicidal. And in this place, in this desert place, the Lord meets him and ministers to him and feeds him and brings him into this place of rest. And after he's in the desert under the tree, then he the Lord leads him to this cave in the mountain. And this is where I want to read about this encounter that Elijah has with the Lord. It says this in 1 Kings 19, uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 11 through verse 13. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? This whole story is pretty amazing. Again, I encourage you, 1 Kings 19, read the whole thing. It's, it's an amazing account of what happened in the life uh, of Elijah and in Israel in that time. But in this moment, we see something so profound. And God says, Elijah, come out and, and stand because there's, my presence is going to be there. The presence of the Lord is about to pass by. And it says that there was a powerful wind and that there, and there was an earthquake and that there was fire. There were these grandiose, these, these big momentous things that happened. And it says that the Lord wasn't in any of those things. But then there was this gentle whisper and Elijah recognized God is in the midst of that whisper. Church, I think so often what we can do as believers is we, we look for the big, the big show. We, we listen, we, we want the earthquakes, we want the fire, we want the wind, we want, we want all of these, these big expressions of the presence of God. And, and I've and I got to tell you, God, 
will move in those ways. There are times where God will move in in those ways. But we can't miss the whisper. In fact, when I, 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 I think when it comes to God's connection with you and me personally, one-on-one, that he wants to whisper. Remember, I talked last week with the dance, that in the midst of the dance, that God moves at your speed. He, meet, he meets you where you are. And that there's this picture of intimacy. In fact, today is Valentine's Day. And in in the, the celebration of love, you know, if I want to express my love to my wife and want to have an intimate moment with her where we can just be face to face, I don't take her to, to a restaurant that's loud and noisy with lots of things going around. I'm going to find a restaurant that's quiet with candlelight, soft music, so we can have this quiet moment together. That God is saying, I want to spend some quiet moments with you. Because there's this greater sense of intimacy and closeness in the midst of the quiet. So Elijah comes out and he covers his head as he goes into the presence of the Lord. And then he hears the voice of God speak to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? And they have a dialogue. They have this time together. Church, we need to find places, those times throughout our days where we can stop and be in the presence of the Lord, to hear his voice, to hear what he would have to say to us. So let me ask this. What can a daily rhythm of silence look like in your life? What could it look like? I want to give you a couple of ideas, a couple of points of application, some things to try. It might work for you, it might not, but I want to encourage you, give it a shot. Give a couple of these things a try and see what it does how it impacts your days and how it impacts your week. So the the first would be this, start and end your day in silence. Start and end your day in silence. You know, our phones, our devices can become such a distraction. And I know I've gotten into a habit where I'll wake up in the morning and, and one of the first things I do is I reach over and I grab my phone and I'll check check the news, I'll check the weather, I'll check, you know, whatever, or we'll call out and say, hey, Google, what's what's going on today? And, you know, what's what's on the agenda for today? And, and immediately our, our lives get filled with, with noise. I want to encourage, what, what if we started our day in silence, that as we wake up, that we would stop and just listen and just commit our ways to the Lord, commit our day to the Lord, to become aware of his presence right at the start of the day, to say, Lord, I want to just be aware of your presence, to say, Lord, I want you to go ahead of me today, to be in everything that I do, to listen to what he might speak to you for that day and what direction he might bring as you start your day with him. And then to bookend that on the, at the end of the day, to end your day in silence, as you're going to bed, to, to, to take a few minutes, even before you lie down, to just sit in silence before the Lord, to thank Him, to praise Him, just to be with Him. I think that's an easy way, it's a practical way that we can introduce a rhythm of silence into our lives, to start and end our day in silence. The other thing that we can do is something called the daily office the daily office. It might be a a weird term to you, 
well, what's a daily office? Well, I don't go to the office anymore. No, that, not that kind of office. The daily office is this. It's setting aside regular intervals, regular times to stop to remember God, to become aware of his presence. And maybe that's a few times a day, or maybe, maybe just starting out, you say, hey, at, at midday, at noon, I'm going to stop for 10 minutes or 15 minutes I'm just going to be quiet before the Lord, not not to even read your Bible, not to pray or, or to, to play music, but just to sit quietly in the presence of the Lord, to remember that God is with you, that God is still moving in your life. doesn't matter what's happening in the world around you, to just stop and be with him, to be in his presence, to experience his pleasure. And there's some easy ways to do this. The daily office, you can you could set a reminder for yourself. You can do it on a device or in your, you know, on, on your computer. Say, hey, at this time of the day. And whatever works for you, whatever is convenient for you. Maybe, maybe mid-morning at, at the noon hour, mid-afternoon, to just steal away for a few minutes. To to get to those quiet places like Jesus did to just be with the Father, to just pray, to just spend time in His presence, to just listen to His heart, to receive encouragement from Him, to know that He is God, to be still and know that He is God, for your heart to be be reminded that He is God and that He cares about you. These are two easy ways, church. These are two simple ways that we can introduce a rhythm of silence and solitude into our lives to start and end our days in silence, first thing in the morning and the last thing before we go to bed, and then to bring in this rhythm of the daily office, to stop throughout our day, to become more aware of the presence of God in our lives. Now, here's the thing I know. It might seem to some, might seem, sometimes it seems this way to me is, well, I need to fill that time with some kind of activity. And this is the push of our culture on our lives, that we've got to fill it, we've got to do something. And it might feel kind of awkward and might feel kind of weird to just sit in silence. And your mind might get distracted and your mind, mind might get filled with all kinds of random thoughts. But I encourage you, press through it. Press through it. Develop. Start with a minute. Go to two minutes. Build up. Build that discipline. Build that place in your life where you're able to sit quietly. I know people, I'm not there yet myself, but I know people who will sit for half an hour or an hour daily, just quietly in the presence of the Lord. As they do and as we would, that God would minister to us in some really deep places. So I want to encourage you, restore this rhythm, restore a rhythm of silence into your life and see what God can do in the midst of that. Let's close in prayer. Jesus, I thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Can we, let's just, let's just practice this right now. Let's just be quiet before the Lord just for for 15 or 20 seconds, wherever you are, just stop any activity and would you just be quiet before the Lord for, for just a few seconds.
Jesus, we love you. We love you and we thank you that you love us. Help us, Lord, to establish a rhythm of silence in our lives, to stop and be quiet before you. No matter what's happening in our lives, Lord, that we would learn to be still and know that you are God, that you are in control, that you will be glorified, that you will be magnified. Help us to be like Mary who chose the better thing. We recognize, Lord, that there is place for work. There is place for activity. Lord, teach us. Teach us to be in your presence, to sit quietly at your feet, to receive from you. We want to choose the better thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have an amazing week. Look forward to having you with us next week.